Thank you, Grant. Good morning, everybody. It's lovely to see so many in church. And if you've not been yet, don't hesitate. It's worth coming. Just let me praise uh, before I speak. Father, I just pray that you will open our ears and our hearts today to you as you speak clearly. Thank you. Amen. Now, when I was 13, there was something that used to scare me witless. It wasn't a TV program. I got used to Doctor Who by then. Um, it wasn't a film. It wasn't a haunted house. It was a Christian song by Larry Norman. Anybody remember? No, you're all... F- oh, some good oldies at the back. Um, it was a song called, I Wish We'd All Been Ready. Now, we can't play because of silly old YouTube copyright stuff when we're streaming live. But it was all about the second coming. And here's some of the words. If you could just run through them quite quickly, because I don't want to read them all out. But life was filled with guns and war. Everyone got trampled on the floor. Wish we'd all be ready. Children died. Piece of bread was really expensive. Wish we'd all be ready. No time to change your mind. The sun has come and you've been left behind. Keep going through the words on the screen. Two men walking up a hill, one disappears, one's left standing still. I wish we'd all been ready. There's no time to change your mind. The sun has come and you've been left behind. That was the worst phrase ever for me. The second coming and judgment, however it will happen, we're not really very sure it's going to happen, used to make me so anxious. Am I really saved? Will I be taken? Will I be left behind? What if he comes right back right now and I'm doing the wrong thing? It used to churn me up something chronic. And this obviously went into my dreams as well. Because one of my dreams put up the wind at me as well. I grew up in a large red brick Baptist church in Lancashire, which was huge. It had loads of rooms and balconies and baptistries, stages, etc. But in the 1970s, it was done up. And one room right in the center of the building had carpet put into it. Oh my days, carpet and comfy chairs. Were we youth allowed in there? No, we certainly were not. In fact, hardly anyone was allowed in there because you might spoil the carpet. We just used to call it the Holy of Holies. (laughs) My frightening dream was about this room. I approached the door in my dream and was quite feeling very nervous because in my dream I knew that God was in there. And he didn't seem to hear my first little knock. So I knocked again, and the voice came, who is it? I said, it's it's, it's Sharon. And then came the worst words I'd ever heard. I'm so sorry, I don't know you. (gasps) The shock of those words shook me up. My worst fear is coming true. Oh my goodness, God doesn't know me. I won't go to heaven. I woke up in a sweat, just like you do from a nightmare, because I was so, so worried. So as you can see, I was quite a traumatised young teenager over this second coming lark. And I'm sure all of us at some stage do get a little bit nervous and scared about the thought of what is actually going to happen afterwards. But there's no need to be scared. And I can assure you that I'm absolutely and utterly convinced of where I'm going when I die or when Jesus comes again. But we don't need to be scared. We just need to be ready. We just need to be ready. So what is the second coming? 
Well, the second coming of Jesus is mentioned a lot in the Bible. 1,845 times. I counted them all last night, so I didn't have another dream. No, I didn't really. I just looked it up. It's obviously very important. Jesus himself mentions it in many parables, and every one of them spells out the same four basic things. He is coming, and there will be judgment. We need to be doing the right things, and if we are, then we're going to be with him forever. That is a great thought. Number three, they spell out the consequences of being caught doing the wrong things. And number four, no one, but no one knows when it will happen. Here's some of the phrases from these passages, which you'll all have heard at some stage or another. Uh, There's plenty of room for you in my father's home. I'm on my way to get your room ready. No one knows the month, the day, the hour. He will come like a thief in the night. He'll be like lightning. Keep watch. Don't let him find you sleeping. He'll come back and take you to be with me. The dead in Christ will rise first. Make sure you're dressed and ready for service. He'll come in the clouds. He'll come with a trumpet. Every eye will see him. He will judge. So he's coming again. We don't know how or when it will be, but we should be ready. I'm going to do this in three parts. The first two are a little bit off-piste, and the third part comes back into the passage. Three things I'm going to talk about from an old prayer of St. Richard of Chichester, and it's also in God's God's spell. I was reminded about it from Lecture 365 this week. We must know him more dearly, clearly, sorry, know him more clearly to be ready, love him more dearly, and follow him more nearly. That's all that we want for Tabitha. All those three things. And as we were singing about the lion, I did have a picture for Tabitha of her um, being like a lion herself. But that verse from the Samson story, from the lion will come forth sweetness. And I think that'll, she may appear <laughs> like a ferocious lion sometimes, but in the middle there is that sweetness which will come forth. So I hope that's right. Know him more clearly. First, we have to know who Jesus is. And know him as our saviour. There's many ways of coming to know Jesus. Because I'd been brought up in an evangelical home and taken to many evangelistic meetings, I spent many a time responding to the call to come to the front and accept Jesus as your saviour and Lord. I did it about six times. Because I wasn't sure in myself. Couldn't see a massive difference in my life. But gradually, slowly, I've let him become Lord in many areas of my life. Being filled with the Holy Spirit a little bit more in my 20s made a big difference. And there's still a long way to go. But I know without a shadow of a doubt, he's my saviour. For other people, it's like a wham-bam-slam moment where Jesus practically knocks you off your feet with the knowledge that he and only he came into this world because he loves you. He went through death for you. So that you could have that restored relationship through God, your creator, through the Holy Spirit, and so you can go to be with him at his second coming. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He is the only way. That is not a popular thought nowadays. So where are you in your knowledge of Jesus? Do you know him clearly as your rescuer, your protector, your saviour, your Lord? Do you know you'll go to be with him eventually? If not, today could be the day to make that change. And we'll talk about it a little bit more in a prayer at the end. So we need to know him more clearly. And we need to now love him more dearly. 
I had a bit of a problem recently. I couldn't decide which way to go in a particular decision about my work area. And my spiritual director sounds very posh, but she's just somebody who gives you some advice. Said, so which course, choosing which one, just choose which will bring you closer to Jesus. That was such wise words. It wasn't, not where will you help more people? What do you think you'll be able to cope with? It was which one of these will bring you closer to Jesus? We can rush around like idiots trying to do the stuff for Jesus. And all of it good, but the answer is so easy. Love him more dearly. Live in his presence. Francis Chan, who's going to be speaking at New Wine here in church through a link, um, don't forget to book in where we do it. The only affection he can remember from his dad, oh, his mother, sorry, died at birth, giving birth to him. The only affection he can now remember from his dad lasted 30 seconds at a funeral. He's now a pastor and he's got seven kids. And when his children were born, his own love for his children and his desire for their love was so strong, it opened his eyes to how much God desires and loves us. In his book, Crazy Love, he wrote, God loves you. It's probably the most insane statement that you could make to say that the eternal creator of this universe is in love with me. There is a response that ought to take place in believers, a crazy reaction to that love. Do we, do you really understand what God has done for you? If so, why is our response so lukewarm? Why is our response sometimes so lukewarm? We need crazy, passionate love for God. Psalm 43 tells us to get ourselves into the Lord's presence and experience him as our joy and our delight. I love that phrase, joy and delight. You are God's joy and delight. And he wants you to know him as your joy and delight. I love my retreats. When I go away for three or four days, on my own in God's presence, it's so good. No distractions, no work. Just him and me alone. Listening to his voice, being with him, sharing a joke, sharing a beautiful view. Live in his presence. If only we could do that all the time. It's going to be different for each one of you. But please, please, if you take nothing away from today, just think about loving him, living consciously in his presence. If you do that, if your love grows more and more, Philippians 1 says, this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you'll be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. If you love Jesus more, you will then be able to discern what's best for you to do when he comes again. You'll be dressed and ready for service. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. If we love him more, obedience comes so much more easily. Obedience comes so much more easily and naturally. And you'll find yourself doing the right things. You'll be in the right place for when he comes again. Love his presence. Long for his presence. Love his presence in you by his Holy Spirit, that will help you to then serve. So to be ready for the second coming, we need to know Jesus more clearly, love him more dearly, and now follow him more nearly. We need to express that passionate love we now have for God with a passionate love for other people. 
in verse 35 of our passage, Jesus calls you to be ready for service. If we're loving him dearly, Isaiah 58 springs to mind, you will want to spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry, satisfy the needs of the oppressed, be ready to fight social injustice, racial injustice and inequalities, share your food with the hungry, provide the homeless with shelter, clothe the naked, support your family, preach the gospel and all before lunch today. Don't worry, you don't necessarily need to do anything extraordinary. Jesus will show you how to serve him in the ordinariness of your simple daily life. You may be called to do all those things, or one of those things even in a big way. Do you know, but there's a wonderful reward if you are ready and serving him when he comes. Verse 37 says, it would be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. Because you, this always gets me, you will sit and eat with Jesus. And he's going to serve you at that table. What a thought. The creator of the universe is going to serve you in heaven. Verse 42, when you are being the faithful and wise manager, you'll be rewarded here on earth, on earth because he's going to put you in charge of more of his possessions. Verse 44, the closer and more faithful we are to Jesus, the more he trusts us to do his stuff. If you've been entrusted with talents and responsibilities, it doesn't matter how you use them. If you use what God's given you wisely, he blesses you with more responsibility. Jesus says in verse 48, from everyone who's been given much, much will be demanded. And for the one who's been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. So, if you have a happy home, or a happy-ish home, a good enough education, good enough health, friends, job, food, clothes, holidays, and have access to the Bible, freedom to meet together and pray, then you are one to whom much has been given and much will be expected. There's a danger in thinking Jesus won't come again yet. Verse 45, we can carry on doing exactly what we like, though we have plenty of time to put things right. It's the fact that the Master is taking a long time in coming again. He wants to give as many people as possible the chance to come to him as Lord. And that deceives the unwise servant into neglecting his task and not acting as the master would want. To many people today, Jesus seems a distant or irrelevant figure with little impact on their lives. This story is a warning to remind us that one day there'll be a reckoning for all that we do. So it's wise to act on that now. So again, if you don't know Jesus as your saviour, then today's your chance. There's plenty of opportunities to serve Jesus in your street, in our town, in our world, in our church. We have a continual need for youth and children's helpers. These are vital to God's kingdom growing. I'm sure many of you came to Jesus in a church as a child. It's rewarding helping with youth and children. It's fun. There is such an impressionable time of life. And we've got the opportunity, you have the opportunity to plant seeds, to be of godly influence, to be of significance in the lives of others. And if you don't do it yourself, then do pray for people who could. <laughs> to be ready for his coming again. Live life in his presence. 
loves the presence of his life in you. Jesus gave us his Holy Spirit to enable us to know him, to love him and follow him. But one thing, do not, please, don't get stressed on the doing. I love doing. I'm a busy person. I love it. That's my nature. That's what he gave me. But I love this message, translation from 11, Matthew 11, which really concentrates on being in his presence. I'm going to finish with this. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything or heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. All of that verse really concentrates on just being with him. And if you are being and with him, loving him, loving his presence inside of you, you will be ready. Dallas Willard, a theologian and philosopher in America, was asked for one word to describe Jesus, and it was relaxed. Because Jesus spent so much time in his Father's presence, he was relaxed about everything. He was busy, but he never hurried. He always had time for that interruption. So get into his presence. It'll be different for every one of us how you do that. Just concentrate this week. How can you be in his presence more? How can your love for him grow more and more? So know, love, and follow Jesus clearly, nearly, and dearly. And then you and I will be ready for that glorious, glorious day when he comes again. We're going to pray now. If you don't know Jesus and you'd like to, then just pray this simple prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I want to know you as Lord and Saviour. I'm sorry for the things I do wrong that caused your death. Thank you that you died for me so that I can then get to know you in the way that you always intended. So come into my life now, Jesus. Fill me with you that I may know my position in your life, that you and I will be together forever. And for those of us who do know Jesus, if you want to hold out your hand to receive that gift now of his Holy Spirit to enable you to be in more in his presence. Know more of his love. Love him more to share that love. Lord Jesus, by, I ask now that your spirit will come upon us. Fill each one of us. Fill us just so that we can know your presence more each day and every day so that we will be ready doing your stuff, being with you when you return. Thank you. Amen.